11. Do you trust God today? Now, I mean, do you, do you really trust him like that he's good? Do you trust that God loves you, that he cares for you, that he wants what's best for you? Now, the reason I mention that is because what God wants to teach us today through his word is probably not going to feel good in many ways. Our sinful flesh is going to push back against every single point that I have to bring you today. It's going to challenge our, our, our pride, our self-sufficiency. It's going to uncover and evaluate what it is we really treasure in this life. And it's going to tell us whether or not we really love God or if we have made a God out of money and stuff. Give us this day our daily bread. You say, really? That's going to come from, from that passage? Yes, because God's word is awesome, and it's so packed with truth that changes us. And I, mean, I just laid in bed last night, you know, thinking, hoping I fall asleep so I can come here and preach, but just saying, God, would you please Feed my people today. Feed me through this sermon because there's so much good stuff here, Lord. And so knowing that our flesh is going to rebel against every single point of this sermon, let's turn to God in prayer and ask for his help. Father God, you know our hearts. You know how we struggle. You know our pride, our idolatry, our selfishness. Yet you love us anyway. Yet you gave Christ to pay for all of those sins, God. We are so thankful. But God, I ask that you would do something today. I ask that you wouldn't just forgive our pride but that you would remove it. I ask that you would not only wash away the stain of our idolatry, but wash it from our hearts. And while we are so thankful that you paid for our selfishness on the cross, I pray that you would crucify it in our practical lives today, God. Would you do this through your word and by the power of your spirit, God? Overcome our flesh, overcome our stiff necks, God, that we might glorify you and enjoy you. Help us to trust that you are good. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Give us this day our daily bread. So how is that going to challenge our pride, our idolatry, and our selfishness? Well, a couple things you probably need to know before we even really get, get going with this is that, um, the, the first thing you should know is that Jesus isn't only talking about bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And you say, what does bread have to do with pride and idolatry and selfishness? 
And I would even say Jesus isn't only talking about food. Because you say, well, bread's just a category for food. No, it's more than that. See, bread for, uh, for these people had become a symbol, a figure of speech for all the necessities of life. This, this, by the way, would have happened because when they were in the wilderness for 40 years, where did their provision come from? The manna, the bread from heaven. And so this word bread became sort of just a figure of speech for all the provisions they needed for daily life. And by the way, we still use this figure of speech. When a person is the main income uh, earner in a, in a household, they're called the breadwinner. They bring home the bacon, but that's a different figure of speech. Uh, but th th this is uh, bread. They're a breadwinner. But it's not just talking about bread. That they, they, they earn the income so that you can have, yes, food, but also water and clothing and shelter and safety, protection. I mean, all these things are, are implicit. They are in that word bread. So when we say, give us this day our daily bread, we're saying... Give us this day our, our necessities for life. That's the first thing we need to recognize. But the second thing we need to recognize is that Jesus did not make any exceptions here. He didn't say, pray this prayer if you're really poor and desperate. He didn't say, pray this prayer unless you have everything you need. Jesus simply said, pray then like this. You know, and then you come down to, give us this day our daily bread. So evidently this is something all of us are always supposed to be praying. And so again, there's this question of, well, why would I need to pray this? Why would I need to pray, give us this day our daily bread, if I already have all that I need? Now I would say that's the case for most of us. Most of us have all that we need and more by the world's standards, I would say pretty much everyone in this room is rich. The world would look at us and say, what are you complaining about? <laughs> you have so much. You don't have any food. What are you talking about? Your fridge is full of stuff. I'm digging through the trash. You know, we, we have what we need in reality. So why would Jesus tell all of us to pray, give us this day our daily bread? What I want to show you today is that more than just it being a prayer for provision of our needs, this is a prayer that is meant to transform our hearts. See, I actually believe that the people who have a lot, who, who have plenty, who have excess, actually need this prayer more than the person who is in poverty. And that, that's, that's what we want to see today is that God wants to Gently plow up our hearts and cultivate beautiful, life-giving things there. This is what we're going to see. And this is a prayer both for the wealthy and the poor, both the, the needy and the already-haves. Because God wants to do something incredible in our hearts through it. So how does God want to use this portion of the Lord's Prayer to cultivate our hearts. This is where things might start to get painful uh, for some of, some of us. Number one, 
God is cultivating dependence. God is cultivating dependence. Have you ever noticed how hardwired into our DNA independence is? Self-sufficiency? I mean, a kid can hardly speak, and yet they know how to say, no, I do it. No, I do it when you're trying to put their shoes on, right? I mean, every parent has experienced that. You're like, I just want to get to the store. I just want to put your shoes on. No, I do it. But it doesn't stop uh, when we get to be three or four years old. This goes on. We, we find great pride in what we accomplish. We, we like to be self-made men and women. We mock the trust fund babies that it was just handed to them on a silver platter. No, we do it ourselves. We are independent. We are self-sufficient. But... What happens here is God wants to cultivate complete dependence, utter neediness in our hearts, even if we have much, especially if we have much. I want to show you this from the text. It's, It's up there on the screen. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice those first two words, give us. There are two uh, um, characters or you know people present here you have God who is the giver and us who are the recipients so every time we, we meditate on and pray the Lord's prayer we are remembering we're meant to remember that God is the giver we are the receiver God is the benefactor we are the beneficiaries we are always in debt to God. But you might say, I don't know, Pastor Jeff, I've worked really hard for all the stuff that I have. Right? I mean, I, I, I went to school, you know, I, I worked really hard. I was faithful at my job. I earned the promotions. And then when the money came in, I saved it. And that's why I have money. God didn't do that, or did he? James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Everything good in your life is from God the Father. But again, you say, well, how can that be if I'm the one who worked so hard? I'm the one who was diligent and kept on plowing. I was the one who planned and I was the one who saved. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, and there's other places in the Bible, many others. But this says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth interesting interesting god gives us the power to get the necessities of life and even here it says wealth see i think we get things confused so often we mistake the means god has put in our lives to earn the necessities of our life for the absence of god we say well it was my hard work But God gave you the power to work hard. What was my intellect? God made your brain and makes it function every single day. 
But I showed up every day. Yeah, God kept that business open. God gave you the opportunity to make that money. It is God who gives power to get wealth. By the way, if you really just want to take it down real plain and simple, every single moment of your life is dependent on God. <laughs> every single moment. It says there in Acts 17, 25, God himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. That means you didn't earn every breath you breathe or every time your heart beats. You didn't do that. God did. And so what we need to do, what, what I believe Jesus wants us to do, is turn our independent, self-sufficient ethic upside down on its head. We need to see, we need to feel the fact that we are utterly dependent on God for everything that we have or ever will have. So you can genuinely pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, even if you have a bank account full of money, knowing it is God who put it there. It is, it's a statement of dependence. You are the giver. I am the needy, undeserving recipient. But you might wonder, why does it matter? Why, why does it matter, you know, if we're dependent on God? Well, it matters because when we feel independent, self-sufficient, and capable, we forget God. We forget God and we become entitled and proud. We, in fact, make a mockery of God and his provision when we act like we are the ones who have accomplished it based on our own merits, our own efforts. All through the book of Deuteronomy, I, I, there were a handful of examples. I, I, I didn't even pull one out. All through the book of Deuteronomy, Moses warned the people that when they you know, came out of the wilderness wanderings where they're utterly dependent on God for their daily bread, their manna, and it was just tangible, he said, there's going to come a day where you make it into the promised land and you're going to have lots of food. You're going to be in a, a land flowing with milk and honey. Like There's good foods. It'll be delicious. You'll have flocks and herds, it says. You'll have nice houses, silver and gold, and you will forget me. Or Moses is saying, you will forget God. And you will actually profane me among the nations because you forget about me. Because you become independent, self-sufficient. This is what happens in our lives the moment we think we are self-made. We forget God and make a mockery of him. On the other hand, if we recognize God as the giver and us as utterly needy and dependent, even doesn't matter where it came from, God still provided it. God gets glory and we get joy. The giver gets the glory. The giver gets the glory. I, I robbed that, by the way, from a, another pastor. The giver gets the glory. I mean, you think about it. Who looks better at the grocery store checkout line? The person who doesn't have enough money to pay for their groceries or the, the person behind them in line that covers their bill? Obviously, the person that, that covers the bill, not the needy person who couldn't pay themselves. Who looks more glorious at the food kitchen? The people waiting 
in line to get their soup or the people serving them. I mean, it's obvious. The giver gets the glory. The one who is providing, the one who is working all this out and, and placing in their lives, that is the one who gets the glory. So again, when we say, I've done it myself, we rob God of the glory he deserves. But when we acknowledge him, acknowledge his provision and our dependence, we show his glory. You might think, well, that sounds kind of petty of God. <laughs> he just wants credit for giving me life and breath and my, my money. Yes, God does. But no, God is not petty. It is the furthest thing from petty. It is the righteousness and the love of God that he reminds us of our dependence. It's his righteousness because God is God and he will not give his glory to another that would be idolatry to, to, to worship someone or something else when God deserves it. So God is jealous, the Bible says, for his glory. And that is righteous of him. But it's loving. It's loving in that only God can satisfy us. And so when, when we're looking to ourselves, my independence, my self-sufficiency will never be satisfied. But when we are broken and humble and see our need, even when we have money in our bank account, we can find that satisfaction in God because he is glorious and he is the glorious good giver of everything. And when's the last time you gave thanks for all that's in your life? When's the last time you gave thanks for how hard God made you able to work the desire to work, your work ethic. I mean, it's, it's all God. And we need to cultivate, or God is cultivating this dependence upon him. And we need, to, we need to let him. But that's what those first two words of the Lord's Prayer say. Give us. He's the giver. We are the receiver. But that's just the beginning of the work God wants to do. And again, this is just the beginning of poking at our flesh because we're not going to like this next one any more than the first one. God is cultivating contentment. What does contentment mean? It means I don't need more. That's, that's not the saying of, of our day, is it? <laughs> uh, John D. Rockefeller uh, one of the richest men in the world during the 18, uh, 18 and 1900s was, was once asked, how much money is enough? One of the richest men, yet he's still working, working, working. And he was asked, how much money is enough? To which he responded, just a little bit more. <laughs> I mean, we laugh about that. Like, how could you need just a little bit more? And, and just a little bit more will always be just a little bit more. It'll never be enough. We, we laugh at that and say, how could one of the richest men in the world say something like that? But that's all of us. All of us. If we're honest, we recognize that we, don't, we want just a little bit more. A little better paying job. A little bigger house. A little newer phone. A little nicer car. One more pair of shoes. One more purse, even though our closet's can't even close, <laughs> they can't close the doors on them. And our, 
economy, our world is built on our discontentment, right? Every ad you see, billboard, magazine, TV, internet, whatever, are telling us you need this in order to be happy. You need this in order to have true satisfaction. Just one more thing. And that's from the outside, but on the inside, we always feel this pressure as well. We compare ourselves with others. We might have been happy with our house until we went and visited our friends and say, Oh, man, did you see what they had? There's always this feeling, I, I need a little nicer, a little newer, a little bigger, a little better, a little more in my account. Contentment is not our natural way. But look at what Jesus tells us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. I mean, anytime you have something in that short of a sentence that is repeated twice, give us this day, this daily element here, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, we should take note of that, right? We should, we should focus on that and say, what, what is Jesus trying to say? I don't think it's on accident. I think by these words, as, as we meditate on them and pray through them as Jesus wants us to do, by these words, Jesus is helping us to war against our tendency to always want more stuff, just a little bit more. And the point Jesus is trying to make is that we should only desire and pray for what is necessary for the day. And with that, we should be content. Well, why would Jesus encourage us only to, to pray for what's necessary for the day? Give us this day our daily bread. Well, I think it's two reasons. I think first, it's a safeguard against loving money and the stuff it can buy. It's a safeguard against loving money and the stuff it can buy because that will rob us from loving God. Jesus says, by the way, it's just like a few verses down, like uh, 10 verses down. He says, Matthew 6, 24, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is a protection. This is a protection against becoming like a, a camel, right? It'll be harder for a camel to go through an eye, or sorry, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is keeping us from this love of money and, and fostering this contentment. And secondly, I think Jesus does this to remind us once again that he is the satisfaction we are seeking. Why do we buy more stuff? Why do we want more money? Why do we want bigger, better, nicer? It's because we have this longing in our hearts, and so we, we try to fill it with money and, and, and prestige and, and fun and just all these things when it really is supposed to be filled and satisfied by Jesus himself. 
I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that, that there's um, another way Jesus uses bread. One of the names for Jesus that he gives himself is the true bread from heaven, the bread of life. That's in John chapter 6. And by the way, if you read John chapter 6 in context, I mean, it pounds this point home. Exactly the one we're talking about right now. But in John 6, 35, I think I've got it for you. Whoop. John 6, 35, Jesus says to a group of people who wants Jesus to give them more stuff, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. What? Shall not hunger? What's he talking about? We'll never get hungry again? We'll never need food again? Obviously, that's not what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is saying is, when you eat of me, when you consume me, when you cling to me, that insatiable hunger for more stuff will be satisfied. That longing in your heart will be filled. And so Jesus is not only protecting us against running into hell because we love money, he's also leading us to the fullest possible joy by finding our satisfaction in him. We need our hearts changed on this. We need for our highest desire to be not the bread of this world, the provisions, the money, the, the clothes, the cars. We need the bread of life, the true bread from heaven. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Interesting. Does that mean he'll give you everything you could ever possibly want? No. <laughs> it means he will satisfy this longing in your heart if you will go to him. This is what God is doing in the Lord's Prayer. John Rockefeller said a little bit more. How, how should we answer that question? If someone were to ask you, how, how much more do you need? How, how much you know, nicer car do you need? How much bigger house? How many, how many more cl nice clothes? How how much more do you need? How much more money in your bank account? How should we answer that? I don't know exactly, but this is how Paul answers it. I, I love how he puts this. He says in Philippians, uh, um, I don't even know what chapter that is. I can't read it. Three. I, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I just left out the chapter. All right, Philippians chapter 3, verse 11 uh, through 13. He says this, I have learned... In whatever situation I am, to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. No, notice how he ties that in. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I know you thought that was about winning a football game, but it was actually used differently here in Philippians. What he's saying is, through the strength that God supplies, I'm, I'm able to be content in every situation. What he's saying is, <coughs> as long as I have everything I need to glorify God and enjoy him, then I'm content. 
God gives me enough strength to do that. He gives me enough food to do that. He gives me enough money to do that, enough provision to do that, and I'm content. I don't need more need or abundance. I'm happy either way because I know it's enough to glorify God because that's what he will give me. This is the secret of contentment. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, whether I have plenty or I'm in need. I will glorify God and I will enjoy him and I'll be content. I mean, this is just so interesting because, again, it's just so opposite of our, our thinking. Would you dare to pray, God, don't make me rich? <laughs> That's exactly what we see in Proverbs chapter 30, by the way. Proverbs 30, verses uh, 8 and 9, it says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful, needful for me lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? We forget him. Or, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I mean, that's, that's the same thing. That is, God, give me today my daily needs that I can glorify you and enjoy you. I, I don't need riches. I don't need opulence. I don't need luxury. Because those things would probably just turn my heart away from you. But God, give me enough that I'm not tempted there in Proverbs, he says, to steal and profane the name of my God. How, how else can we profane the name of our God? I would say one way that we can do it and that I know I'm guilty of is grumbling and complaining. I've got this house, but theirs is so much nicer. Why do I always have to have the less nice things. There was, you know, this great deal of way I could have made more money, but I missed it. How come I never get to do those things? Just grumbling and complaining rather than seeing that we are utterly dependent upon everything and he is our good father who gives us every good and perfect gift and being content because one of those gifts is Christ, the bread of life. We eat of him and we are satisfied. Man, praying, God, don't make me rich. That's, that's a tough one. My flesh doesn't like that. I don't know about yours. But it's good. It's good. And I believe there is one final thing. There are many more things we could talk about, but one final thing that I think is cultivated through this prayer. Number three, God is cultivating generosity. God is cultivating generosity. We need to remember the communal nature of the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't say, give me this day my daily bread. It says, give us this day our daily bread. So that means that if we're, we're praying this prayer sincerely, we're not only praying for ourselves, we should, we should pray, our, for, pray for ourselves, we're not only praying for ourselves, we're also praying for others. We're also praying for those who may not have all the provisions that we have. And what's, what's really awesome about this is that generosity 
will be the byproduct of dependence and contentment. Think about it. When you recognize that everything is an undeserved gift from God, your strength to earn money, your job, your, your even wisdom to save, that is all a gift from God. And you have this and you can say, I've been freely given this. I've been freely given these possessions. And then you, you, you have this contentment. I, I have Christ, so I don't need everything else. I don't need the nicest, newest, best. I'm content with what I have. And so I, I actually have excess money. I didn't think I did. <laughs> but it turns out I do if I have contentment in Christ. And then we pray this. Give us this day our daily bread. And we look around and we see others in need. We see ways that we could be a part of kingdom work. And we say, you know what? I can be generous. I can actually, rather than being selfish and hoarding, I can let go. I, I can let go of this pride that says, no, I earned it, it's mine. I can let go of this idolatry that says, yeah, but I'll need that money for my stuff. We can be generous. We can share. We can be God's provision for other people. Isn't that a cool idea? Everything that God provided you comes from God. And so even when you give to another person, God is providing for them through you. And again, in this, we find our satisfaction in Christ. It's not just knowing about Jesus that helps us find our satisfaction in him. It's doing a relationship with him. It's obeying him. It's obeying his command to love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, the Bible even says love your enemies. Like, give them your tunic. Like, <laughs> give them, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus also says, store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. And Jesus says it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so, in that moment, generosity can happen. We can say, I've been given all this freely, and I can actually find more joy in God, more experience of joy in Him if I give of my possessions than if I hoard them. And guess what? This is fulfilling the first and highest request of prayer. The first and highest request is, hallowed be your name. When we rebel against this culture of consumerism and discontentment and we give freely of our possessions when we sometimes suffer lack which i put might put that in quotation marks our lack is we didn't get to go on that vacation when we sacrifice something for the enjoyment of god it shows the worth and value of god and his name is hallowed his name is hallowed in our hearts as we let go of our love for stuff. And his name is hallowed in the hearts of others as they say, Wow, God is valuable enough for them to, to not have the nicest, newest, best. God is glorified. The needy person is loved and provided for. And we find deep satisfaction in Christ. 
But again, our flesh doesn't like it. Our flesh doesn't like it. Our, our flesh says, no, no, no. But our new nature, this is what we need to, to, to push into, our new nature, the one that is being transformed from one degree of glory to a, another into the image of Christ, it loves it. It says, yes, take my eyes off of worthless things. Take my eyes off of trivial things. Set them on Christ because I want to be satisfied in him. And so the question is, again, right where we started, do you trust God? Do you trust God enough to pray this prayer? Do you trust God enough to meditate on the fact that we are utterly dependent? You're not self-made. Are you, are, are, are you, uh, do you trust God enough to say, God, make me content? To not want and need more always. And then do you trust God enough to say, make me generous. To meet the needs of those around them, around me for your glory, God. It is a beautiful thing to trust God. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray. Father God, would you help this verse and what we've learned about it to take root in our hearts right now. I know that our old sinful flesh and certainly uh, Satan doesn't like the idea of us being entirely dependent on you, being content in you, and being generous. But God, we want it. 